and welcome to Worst Bestsellers, where we read about equine privilege so you don't have to. I'm Renata. And I'm Comet. <laughs> and for... <laughs> okay. And uh, <laughs> maybe we should do that it's all again. It's staying in, so just power through it. Oh god. <laughs> For this episode, we read Horse Shy by Bonnie Bryant. <laughs> Joining us to discuss this second book from the Saddle Club series is Jess, writer and casual horse enjoyer. Hi, Jess. Hello. Thanks for I having me. I broke Renata for you. <laughs> oh my god. Hi. Thank you, Not Kate, aka a- a- Comet, aka a- Becca. <laughs> Kate is not here. She is. Waiting for Dave Malloy outside the theater where the great comet is. That stuff. So I'm here. Deal with it. And I have a cold. Deal with that. Uh, I also just want to point out I'm not drunk. I just uh, thought that was very funny. <laughs> I did do that since we finished recording the last episode a week and a half ago. <laughs> we don't know enough about great comet to make informed jokes, so we just have to say the word comet a bunch. And uh, and it's pretty funny, guys. That's jokes. That's how comedy works. Oh, boy. Okay. So uh, we are in the midst of Flashback Summer, where we revisit popular books of yesteryear. Uh, we're dipping into the Saddle Club series, which I know was very popular for a lot of girls in our general age bracket. Girls and boys, probably. I don't know. I don't know what boys like. Hmm. Who does? Yeah. Mm. Definitely a lot of girls liked it. I didn't, I never read any of these when I was a kid, and I don't think Comet did either. I read one. <laughs> oh, okay. I got it as, it was a hand-me-down that was in a box of hand-me-down clothes from my cousin. It was Starlight Christmas. I don't remember what happened in it. <laughs> sure, there was a lot of horses. I'm sure it was probably Christmas. I think that's when Carol gets a horse named Starlight. Oh. Presumably right. for Christmas. Yeah, it did not stick with me. Did not <laughs> make a strong impression. But I don't care about horses, and I never really have. Same. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I feel like this is basically like a babysitter's club, but horses. And uh, let's let's ask Jess to speak on this. Yeah, so um, I did read these as a kid. Um, my stepmother just brought home like the first five books in the series and I liked them. So she kept getting them for me. And, but I think I only read through somewhere in the twenties or thirties and not all of them. Um, you missed so much. I did. I, I said Wikipedia, you really did. <laughs> I'm really so bummed that I didn't read. So just like the babysitters club, they had like a YA spinoff towards the end when kids were outgrowing them. And I'm really bummed that I didn't read the pine hollow books because they sound really soapy and ridiculous. It's not, it's um, not too late. It You're, you're very right. It is not <laughs> too late. And I think those are all of the New York public library's digital collections. So Hell yeah. I, I am going to have a flashback summer. <laughs> um, but yeah, I so when I was a kid, I would go visit my dad. My parents were divorced, and I would go visit my dad every other weekend. But like he lived outside of the city, and none of my friends were there. My younger siblings are much younger than I am, so I didn't 
real like I would get tired of playing with them. So I would just read like these few saddle club books over and over and over again because there's nothing else to do, um, which sounds really sad. But um, yeah, I just kind of memorized the ones that I had and I had these really fond memories of the series. So for me, hopping in, like I only read the first one and I, or I mean, I only read this one, which is the second one in the series. And my experience with having read, you know, Babysitter's Club and Sweet Valley High is I was kind of waiting for this opening chapter that's like, here's what the girls are, and here's the artsy one, and here's the one who likes boys. And we didn't really get that. There's a a very short, first of all, there's only three girls in Saddle Club, and they are Lisa, Stevie, and Carol. And they're, they're like, all three the horse one. (laughs) Which has kind of been my experience with, like, girls who were super into horses. Like, that was it. They were 100% into horses. That was their jam. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, like, I understand it in a way. Whereas, like, you know, girls who like babysitting, they're like, yeah, I also have other interests. (laughs) Horse girls like horses. Like, they're sort of differentiated by their level of experience with horses. Which, like, Lisa is the one who's the newest at riding. And Carol's the one who's most dedicated to horses, and she, like, volunteers at the stable and does, like, extra horse work because she loves the horses so much. And Stevie's, like, the middle horsiest one. (laughs) Uh, I guess Stevie maybe sometimes, like, breaks the rules, and that's, like, her thing also. I feel like in the early, like, in the first handful of books, it wasn't, the formula wasn't set as much, so... In the later books, they did kind of establish a little bit more clearly, like, this is who this one is, and this is who that one is. But yeah, they're all primarily really into horses, and that's their main personality trait. Um, And then Carol, with everything, like, she's really responsible with horses, and she's a total flake with everything else. Mm. Um, Lisa is really smart and a straight-A student, and her mom is really overbearing, um, so she's sort of the opposite in that she has everything else in her life really pinned down, but doesn't know much about horses. And then Stevie is like tomboyish and likes to play practical jokes and has a lot of brothers and is rich and is also the only one with a boyfriend for a really long time. Ooh. Yeah. He was, he was boring. We went back and forth before we started recording, just comparing different book covers of all the different versions of these. Because apparently Carol is black, mm-hmm. and it's not mentioned, because after we talked about it, I kind of went back and flipped through, and she, she never gets a physical description in this book. Like, none of them really do. None of them do. At one point, they mention, like, Stevie's blonde hair, because it's, like, blown in the wind on her horse or something, but, yeah, not described. Yeah, Stevie, they're always like, Stevie is blonde, and the other two have faces, probably. <laughs> and they all like horses, so yep. they were really interchangeable for... But if most. you want to know what color the horses are, oh, that oh my is God. For yeah. sure we know that. And I I mean, I kind of like that, as, like, in comparison to, like, Sweet Valley High, where, like, I could describe the Wakefield twins <laughs> to, like, a, a police sketch artist, and... <laughs> Have them down, and Make it's sure you draw the heart-shaped faces. Oh my god! Of course, and Elizabeth's beauty mark cannot forget it. Um, but you know those books were so uh, so obsessed with their physical beauty and describing it in every way, in a way that 
if you're reading it as a kid and you're like fat and brunette, you're like, oh, that's what beautiful looks like. That's not what I look like. And with these horse girls, like I don't, they look like girls on a horse, I guess. <laughs> so on one level, that's good. On the other hand, if you're going to have a little bit of diverse rep- representation, like, does it even count it. if you never <laughs> say it? Right. <laughs> Yeah. And if the models on the cover are so ethnically ambiguous, they're like, well, in this one, maybe she's just tan, but in this one, she's black. I don't know. Is this the same girl? <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't think I realized until I was an adult, because towards the end of college and, like, the first couple of years after college, I got really into, like, going back and collecting all of the series books that I'd read as a kid. So I was like building up my saddle club collection again and my babysitters club collection again and my animorphs and whatever, which by the way, I bought a third copy of horse shy for this because (gasps) my stepmother sold all my saddle club books at a yard sale. No. So then I went and got a whole new set of them or not the whole series, but I was like working on building my collection up again And then I was like, why am I doing this? This is ridiculous. I live in a tiny New York apartment. Like, I can't do this. So I got rid of them. And then I was like, all right, I've made a mistake. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so when I, part of the reason I started reading them again was because they reissued them. So if you have the cover that's just of horse shy, that's just like Carol hugging Cobalt's head and it's like, it looks less photorealistic that's the re-edition from like 2006 or something Mm. and I looked at that cover and I was like wait a minute Carol's black which like I had not processed at all as a kid even though I'm sure it's mentioned at least in passing in some of the books (laughs) eventually I know there's like there's one book where she goes on a date with a boy it's like her first date and so she wears a pretty dress and they're describing like what she looks like in the dress so they must have been like also this is the color of her hair and her skin (laughs) Probably. I don't know. Um, and so I feel like, like, I get what you're saying. Like, on the one hand, it's like, that's not what's important about them. But on the other hand, if you're an oblivious white kid, it's like good to be shown that there are other people like looking at those covers, I would have guessed she was Jewish because they basically just gave her big hair. Yeah, same. That's what mine is. Yeah. And I do think it's interesting that the girl who is the one who's the the best at horseback riding and the most dedicated to it is the one character of color, like major character of color in the series, because I think of horseback riding as a very, especially like the kind that they do, um, that's just recreational as a very white sport. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you look at the different covers, it's like I... It, these are all interchangeable girls. Although you may have noticed when they re-released them, I guess in the late nineties and they had the actual photographs of models instead of paintings. One of those girls is Misha Barton. I did not notice that. That's pretty great. Yeah. She's Stevie. Um, Also, I did not realize the TV show ran for nine years. Yeah, it was insane. And it's unwatchable. (laughs) Also, it had two complete, different sets of actors because the girls aged out and they're just like, here's some new ones. <laughs> oh, and it's, it's Australian. So I like, I've tried to watch episodes on YouTube and I can't because it's terrible, but uh-huh. I'm like, cause sometimes it sounds like they're trying to do American accents and sometimes they forget. And I'm like, are you supposed to be in Australia or Virginia? Cause it's really not clear. That sounds great. Yeah, I guess. I mean, the babysitters club had like both a, 
I guess it was TV show. Like, we sometimes got VHS tapes from the library, but I don't even know how you watched that show or, like, when it was on. Yeah, I just had a tape. I can't remember now. I guess I only had the tapes from, like, the library. That or it was on, like, the Disney Channel or something. Yeah. We didn't have cable. No, me neither. I had free preview weekend, where whenever there was words on screen, there was an explicable static. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so that's... uh... That's the mystery of Carol, I guess, addressed. <laughs> so this one, um, when we were talking about what book to pick, Justin, you remember this one very clearly. I I tweeted, uh, actually, I didn't even tweet, I think, the title of it. I was reading this and I tweeted a joke that I was reading a Saddle Club book and I did not realize that Adam Levine is in it because that is the name of one of the rando kids at the stable and also the guy from Maroon 5. And that's the joke. And so I was tweeting about that, and um, it was uh, Christina from Unfriendly Black Hotties who, like, saw it and was like, oh, I remember everything that happens in that book. And I was like, what? And then, uh, Jess, you had mentioned that you were, like, traumatized by this, so I guess it's, like, a um, a thing. Yeah, like, I've weirdly not encountered many people who read this series as kids, even though it ran for a really long time and was very successful. But everyone I have met is like, oh my God, book two, when Cobalt, spoiler. <laughs> I mean, people are going to find out if they listen to this. Um, right. But that's like Spoiler alert for thing. this book, but we're going to, yeah. <laughs> that we're going to spoil in five minutes. <laughs> that's the major thing from the series. It's sort of like if you mention the Babysitter's Club and people are like, oh, Claudia's outfits, and they never aged. cobalt is the thing that people remember from this series and this book is um it's strange because this book is pretty short it's like 150 pages i think it's shorter than an average babysitter's club book but i feel like it had enough plot to fuel like three babysitter's club books because um like i read the summary of this and they're they're going on the mountain trail overnight and it's like horseback riding camping and i was like oh that's cool like i you know i like camping i like books about summer camp and the campout is like two chapters of this, and then they move. The campout didn't feel like plot to me though. Like I had the exact opposite reaction, where I was like, nothing happened in this book. I kept waiting for something to happen, and then I was just like, oh, I guess this thing with Cobalt is just it. And like the the camping trip was an excuse for two chapters of descriptions of horses and riding horses, (laughs) which is what this whole book series seems like it is. It was just 30 pages of plot and 100 pages of description of horses, what horses look like and what horses smell like and what riding a horse feels like and how you interact with horses and how you get a horse to canter and how you get a horse to walk sideways. And don't I know so much about horses? And now you do too. (laughs) Yeah, like if it was a babysitter's club, then yeah, they could have gone on this overnight, but it would have been about how like Karen convinced everybody that the woods were haunted by a ghost horse and they would have built it out with other stuff whereas yeah like there's enough there's enough concepts here for three different books but only one of them has any actual conflict and then the others are like we were on some horses and then we read some books about horses yeah that's more what I meant that there was enough concepts not that it, it felt like so much is happening just that so much could have happened on their overnight or the other, you know, we'll talk about Cobalt, which is the actual main thing. But the other thing that I felt like could have been a main thing is, um, 
their stable, Pine Hollow, is owned by this guy, Max the Third. And all the kids are obsessed. And Max the Second, I think some of the kids kind of, like, he was around and they kind of knew him. But nobody knew anything about Max the First, the original Max. And so they're always telling these stories like, oh, maybe he was, like, a Russian revolutionary. Or maybe he was this. Or we don't know. And this was 1988, so they couldn't Google it. So they're just, like, (laughs) making up stories about this old man who founded a horse stable. Because that's what you had to do before you had the internet. It's true. Tough times. And so Lisa uh, and Stevie mainly become really interested in trying to find out the actual story of the actual Max the First. And it seems like that could have maybe been an interesting story. But, yeah, they they made it the most boring story they possibly could out of all the options. Yeah. Well, I get, I mean, it was also secretly educational because it taught you how to use the library. I did kind of like that. (laughs) <laughs> and I did kind of like when they first go there the librarian is extremely unhelpful and I was like god damn it but then as like as the librarian I was like that librarian's doing a terrible reference interview she's not doing one but then as the librarian is like oh you're like actually interested then she becomes very helpful and I was like that's good I guess but she started off they walk in they're like we're looking for books about horses and she's just immediately is like Dewey Decimal Number like 670 whatever and they're like but wait but also this town and she just like keeps telling them Dewey numbers so yeah so I mean I, I like that they were using the local library I like that it was helpful ultimately I didn't love that the librarian started off their whole interaction by just rattling off Dewey numbers it's not that's not the best customer service interaction librarian shame her Listen, <laughs> we get a bad rep for for doing that kind of shit, and I just want people to know: if you come in my library and you're trying to do horse research, I will be more helpful. She did. She did permit horse play in the library. So, <laughs> did she permit it, or did she just not know it was happening? She she probably didn't maybe know. also like start at the beginning and go through this book. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, I've gotten my librarian venting out of the way, so I guess we can more more or less go through the plot, yeah. So it starts with horses. Yep, and it ends with horses, and that's it. So. <laughs> horses all the way down. Except for the library part in the middle. Except for the library part in the middle. <laughs> Which is also kind of about horses. <laughs> but, yeah, when it starts, our, our Saddle Club girls, Stevie, Lisa, and Carol, are on a trail ride... And I think it's Lisa's first time out riding on the trail instead of just at the stables. And so there's a lot of talk about how it's different and, like, what the rules are of that. And also we learned that they didn't technically have permission to do this, but Stevie said it would be okay. And then there's actually no consequences. They don't get in trouble. Well, I guess there <laughs> yeah. is the consequence that Lisa falls off her horse, but she's fine. Well, they almost get killed by a bull, but then they don't, and it's okay. Oh, right, yeah. So yeah, there's, I mean, she falls off the horse, but then she doesn't want to ride anymore. And that's very important to the theme of the book. True, true. Okay. She doesn't want to get back on. And there's, they have to, you know, explain that, you know, even though you fall off, you just got to get back on again. Yes. Like, like the, <laughs> like they say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and she does. And then there's talk about this mountain trail overnight and they're very excited and they have to prepare for it. Uh, it introduces us to Veronica, the mean girl who is very rich and like her this I thought was a strange detail her mom drops off like a brand new bag for her to take and it's full of expensive Italian hard candies and the kids are like 
these kids are 12. Who's excited about hard candy? <laughs> yeah, it's really weird. But like, they're expensive, and that's what matters. I mean, I guess. But, like, give me a Snickers. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, there's no... I don't care how much money you pour into it. There's no making a hard candy exciting. Yeah, right. So, so they go in the mountain trail overnight, and they see some deer hanging out with the horses, and it's very beautiful. But then Veronica ruins it by screaming because she saw a spider. Typical Veronica. <laughs> Veronica, who never cares for her horse. When they stop to break for lunch, she just leaves it be, whereas everybody else like gets their horse water and feeds it or whatever and carol is always taking care of her horse for her because otherwise it just wouldn't get done and also because because he's the most beautiful horse in the world yes and he's a thoroughbred stallion named cobalt and he has amazing bloodlines which you will learn if you read this book because they talk about it a lot and carol is in love with him and wants to marry him basically yes (laughs) So she doesn't mind doing all of Veronica. Like, Veronica never asks. She just assumes someone will do it. And Carol is basically happy to do it because the horse is so beautiful. And the the mountain trail, like, in, in this segment of the book, we get a lot of information about the proper technique for horse jumping. Oh, that's the other thing. When they're on their pre-overnight trail ride, they all jump over a wall to get away from the bull, which they weren't supposed to do because they hadn't, like, totally learned jumping yet. But they did a good job. Yeah, you're not supposed to jump until you've been riding for a year. And Lisa's, like, brand new to riding, but she does it because she's so good. She's so good at horse. Yes. Or the horse wants to get away from the bull and she just doesn't (laughs) No, she's so good at horse, Jess. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But that is actually, it is, like, like their their thing about Lisa. Because I was reading, like, a description about the first book, too, where they're just, like, really impressed by her instincts for riding. Oh yeah, because in the in the first book, she her mom brings her to the stable because she's like she's very waspy and she's like I need to, my daughter to know all the things that are important for a young lady to know. So Lisa has like a little bit of lessons and everything like dancing and piano playing, but she's not supposed to get really into something because passion is not acceptable for ladies. No. So she has this riding lesson and they put her on this like kind of older gentle horse named patch and she's riding it around and she's a little nervous but it's going like she's going around on patch at a walk um in a circle and it's totally fine and then somebody slams a door and patch tends to freak out at loud noises excuse me it's not somebody it's veronica oh well that's the twist oh sorry um (laughs) (laughs) another spoiler (laughs) Um, but yeah, so so Veronica slams this door and Patch freaks out because, of course, you want to put your brand new riders who are determining whether or not they want to take lessons on the horse that's going to freak out at a loud noise. Mm-hmm. So he takes off and he's like galloping around the ring and <laughs> Max and Lisa's mom are watching like, well, she's going to die. We don't. There's <laughs> nothing we can do about this. But Lisa, in the midst of her panic, like realizes how to work with Patch's gait and calm him down by slowly pulling on the reins. And everybody's like, she's a horse savant. <laughs> um, but then it, she, the whole book, she thinks that it was Stevie because Stevie played a very gentle prank on her earlier. And she's like, that seems like the kind of thing that Stevie would do. 
and then of course at the end it turns out that not only was it veronica but carol knew the whole time and didn't tell lisa or stevie what was going on because then veronica wouldn't let her play with cobalt oh Mm -hmm. interesting Okay, see, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't realize it was a twist, because in this book, that's kind of, like, how we're introduced to Veronica, is, like, that bitch who slammed the door last week. <laughs> yeah. Which also, it's interesting that these books are tied together. Yeah. On, like, Babysitter's Club, which, like, the books just happen, nothing connects, really. There's no timeline. Yeah, there's but a lot of setting obviously... up in the first few, because they also, yeah. like, then there's a book where they, they befriend this champion horseback rider named Kate, I think she gives up champion horseback riding and her parents open up a dude ranch, which gives them a chance to like go to this dude ranch, you know, mm. every 10 books or whatever. So they have to put all those things in order. True, true, true. Yeah. See, whereas the babysitter's club, they just put that all in chapter two every time. And they're like, right. you go. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, horse jumping, we've learned about it. <laughs> How important <laughs> and difficult it is. Mm hmm. We uh, we go on the mountain overnight. We come back from the mountain overnight in like two chapters. Uh, we get ice cream, I think, and then uh, and then Carol gets a call from Stevie that's like, uh, "You just uh, you just have to come to the stables right away." And it's because <laughs> just you t- you you explain. <laughs> so so yeah, Carol's been away for like a long weekend with some friends of her father's and. While she was gone, they were doing like a jumping class where, so when they're on the overnight and they're doing, practicing their jumping, Veronica keeps galloping Cobalt into a downhill jump and Max keeps yelling at her and telling her, stop, don't do that because there's a very long horse splination of this. <laughs> but basically if you like send that much weight downhill at that speed and the horse lands on its relatively delicate front legs it can fall and or yeah you'll break the horse so (laughs) the horse will have to be destroyed (laughs) veronica is told not to do it multiple times and then she does exactly that cobalt there's a like if it there's a horrible line that's like his leg buckled but not at the knee and his leg is totally shattered veronica breaks her arm cobalt has to be put down or destroyed uh as one of the girls puts it and carol is heartbroken it's also worth noting that her mother died the previous year and she's processing a lot of her grief over that through cobalt Mm. but she also was genuinely in love with this horse it's also very weird about like how how much grief she's actually processing because there is this weird through line of the book where she spends a lot of time trying to convince her father to date again. Yeah, yeah. Which I thought was very weird. Most twelve-year-old girls are not like, "Dad, I wish you'd go date." Right. Especially you know having just lost their mom a year ago. I don't know. It was all it was weird and not part of the real story, but kept happening. Yeah. So after. Cobalt is destroyed. And they in this book, um, it's it's so into like explaining like here's what a thoroughbred is and here's what this is and here's like what all the parts of a saddle are. It just says like cobalt had to be destroyed and then it doesn't really explain like that means euthanized, that means put down, like it's just like kinda cobalt was destroyed and they it just chopped him up for horse parts. Yeah. <laughs> Off to the glue factory. 
Yeah, and I and I like I understand that is a term that's used, but it's so bleak. Like you would think you would ask. Like, I mean, they are very careful to specify because when Carol gets to the stable, because Steve is just like, you got to get over here right away, and uh, Carol's like, Dad, get in the car, and they drive up to the stable, and she sees like the county vet, and then the there's like another vet's car there. I don't know who the other vet is, and she knows that like you need two vets to sign a death certificate for a horse. That's the only reason there'd be two vets there. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, like, they say that, and you get that, but, you, like, they don't really explain the term destroyed. Right. We know the bureaucracy, but not exactly <laughs> what happened. There's a lot of paperwork involved with destroying a horse, but we don't really know the ins and outs of it. <laughs> so after this traumatic accident, Carol doesn't want to ride anymore. Right, and they're like, and Lisa's like, "You told me I had to get back on the horse, like blah blah blah," and, and Carol's like, "There's no horse to get back on." Like, <laughs> 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 Carol's like very emo <laughs> about it, and uh, for a while, oh, and then during Carol's emo phase, Stevie and Lisa—that's when they're having their library adventure and getting very invested in trying to solve the mystery of who Max the First was. Mm-hmm. And is that when they see Veronica? Yeah, so yeah. while they're while they're at the yeah. library, this is one of the strangest things I've read in one of these books. <laughs> they see Veronica like reading a horse book and riding a chair as if it were a horse and like pretend a chair backwards, which is very un Veronica. Mm-hmm. Like pretending to do a jump and they're like, Wow, she has like really good jump form on that chair and <laughs> It's it seems so awkward and just imagining them like watching this like it makes me uncomfortable to think about it. But they realize that Veronica actually like is trying to get better and they're kind of like impressed. And then we kind of go back to Carol. Oh, they trick Carol into going back to the stable one more time because of like she said she would help unpack from the mountain overnight and they so they make her go do that basically. And while she's there, she goes into Cobalt's empty stable and just sort of, like, finally processes her grief and, like, sobs in this empty stall in the stable and then falls asleep in the stall for an, <laughs> un- for an undetermined amount of time and then wakes up to hear Veronica and her dad and she realizes her dad is talking about buying her another horse. Uh, Specifically the one that Carol rides at the stable. Yeah, because there's, like, some, there's horses that just the stable owns, and, like, you can ride them for lessons, but I guess you you could also buy one of them to be your own one, or get another horse from somewhere else. But, yeah, her dad wants to buy her, um, Delilah? Yeah. Delilah, the horse that Carol used to ride, but Carol stopped coming to classes, so now Delilah's fair game, I guess. The dad wants to buy Delilah, and Veronica's like, no, I'm not ready for another horse. Like, it was my fault that Cobalt died, or was destroyed. And the dad is like, who cares? We got the insurance money. And Veronica is like, no, like, I, like, I don't want to hurt another horse. I want to, like, she actually, like, is a, is a good person about it. And Carol's very impressed, basically. It's the only time in the whole series <laughs> that Veronica is not a monster. Oh, interesting. Like, because it seems like a real character arc for her, but you're saying she goes back to just being, like, bitchy, mean girl. Yeah, yeah. Like, I really like her in this book. I think she's an interesting character here. And then everywhere else, she's just, like, awful to them. Huh. Well. Sorry. I, I Thank you for destroying Veronica for me. 
<laughs> Veronica had to be destroyed. <laughs> anyway, so then, um, is it now or is it, I actually, I don't want to get too, too bogged down in the ins and outs of this. At some point, maybe this, or maybe she comes back another time. She finds out Delilah, her lady horse that she rides is pregnant by Cobalt. So there's, yeah. there's going to be a baby half Cobalt. Uh, <laughs> there's also some kittens. Yeah. And of course, because it's like one of those series, guess who are the only people at the stable when Delilah goes into labor and have to deliver the foal? Is it Veronica? I'm just, <laughs> just kidding. Is it the Saddle Club girls? <laughs> it's the Saddle Club girls. Well, shit. And then they name the foal Samson, which is pretty cute. Oh, yeah, like, like Delilah. Yeah, I mm. see what you did there. Clever, Bonnie Bryant. Mm-hmm. And the whole library Max the First excursion is wrapped up. Where are they? That were they at the library? Yeah, the old man is reading the newspaper. Oh yeah, he hears them asking the librarian for like more info, and he's like, "Oh, you you're looking for info on Max the First? I knew that guy. I'll tell you everything you want to know if you buy me ice cream." <laughs> so they do. <laughs> they spend all their money on ice cream for this old man. <laughs> And, and he thought that, that Max the First was no one particularly special. He just found a stable. Yeah. <laughs> he was criminally born. There was nothing. Yeah. <laughs> he was a dude. And so they decide they can't tell anyone this boring story, so they don't. And they continue to make up wild stories like they have from the beginning. So that was kind of a pointless excursion we went on with the whole Max the First library trip. But we learned a lot about libraries. Yeah. <laughs> and Carol decides she will get back in the saddle after all. And she gets a kitten. Oh, yeah, and she gets a kitten. I think that's, like, all. That's about it. Yeah. Hooray. It may be worth noting that uh, Carol is not the only character with a cat because Stevie has a cat named Madonna. Oh. <laughs> now I see why Stevie is your favorite. Because <laughs> <laughs> she's rad. Yeah. <laughs> I also want to point out, I don't know if every edition of the book had this, Mine, after this, has a small chapter called, So You Want to Ride in the Olympics? What Do You Do? How You Can Be a Gold Medal Writer. Which is only notable because it's written by Kimberly Brubaker Bradley, who wrote uh, the the book The War That Saved My Life, which um, is a a really good middle-grade novel about British kids in World War II who also ride horses. (laughs) And... uh, I think I'd picked it as like one of my favorites of the year a few years ago on the, on this very podcast. It's a great book. I don't. I didn't know she had this history with the Saddle Club, so I read that name and I was like, "Well, this actually totally makes sense given how many horses were in that book." But also, wow, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I did not have that. I did not have that in any of the three editions I've owned. <laughs> Seriously? Wow, I feel so blessed. Yeah, it's just like a few pages of like. I don't know, the specific, like, she interviews some Olympic athletes or, like, like Olympic horse riders, I mean. Did you learn how to ride a horse in the Olympics? Oh, totally. Are I'm, you ready? You're I'm ready? ready, yeah. Okay, We're... turn around in your chair and show us. <laughs> <laughs> don't gallop into a downhill jump. <laughs> well, that that's rule one, according to Kimber- Kimberly Brubaker Bradley. <laughs> yeah, so this, I mean, I definitely, like, if you are just a random adult looking for something to read... Not a lot here for you if <laughs> if you're not powered by nostalgia. Maybe if you're a horse adult, like there are horse girls, are there horse adults? Mm, yeah, yes. Um, because 
I used to work at a Girl Scout summer camp that did have horses, and so we always had, like, a stable manager. I don't think that was her name. And then there were, there were always, like, a few people whose main job was, like, the horses, and they were, like, so excited. And then there were also a few counselors who, like, sort of worked with, like, you could kind of volunteer to be one of the adjacent horse people, and I was always like, no, thank you. Mm-hmm. Like, give me whatever non-horse task you have, please. But there definitely were people who were like, yeah, that that sounds cool. Mm. Yeah, yeah, like, like- overall conclusion with this was just like, if you were a kid who was into horses, these books were probably fucking amazing. Because if it was something, if it was this much detail and, like, explaining and talking about, like, something that I had been into, I can't think of what, but I would have been like, yes, give it to me, I will read all of these. But if you didn't care about horses, I don't know that, I can't see anybody reading them just for, like, the plot. No. I mean, I wasn't, like, I wasn't a horse girl. I I knew horse girls. I was not one. But I liked animals. So, like, I liked all the, you know, horse explaining the same way that I liked in Animorphs when they'd be like, then I became a falcon, and here's how all the falcon's instincts worked, and here's what my, you know, pin feathers did when I was in a dive <laughs> to fight an alien. Yeah, like, they're very I, important, I, the pin feathers. Right? Like, I liked all of that stuff, um, but I was just, I was also just, like, really into club books, mm-hmm. because, like, I love the Babysitter's Club. I had these other books about, I think they were called No Way Ballet, and it was about these girls who, like, formed a club based on their mothers forcing them to take ballet lessons that they didn't want to take. That sounds so familiar to me. I must have read at least one of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think there were a lot of them, and they're hard to find now. Um, but I just, like, I really like the idea of, like, you know, a group of girls who, like, always hung out together and had, you know, regular meetings and a shared interest and stuff, which is just making me sound like the saddest child. Like, I sat alone in my room. <laughs> And I reread the Saddle Club books and I didn't have any friends, so I wanted friendship to be mandatory. <laughs> but I swear I had friends. <laughs> I believe you. Thank, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, like we were saying, like these are definitely still on the shelves in libraries. Super so... at least. Sorry, I was just looked up No Way Ballet and that cover. Yep, because as soon as you said it, I was like, I see that cover in my head. <laughs> and there it is. That's wild. Carry on talking about the real next, books. Next year's flashback summer, no way, Bella. I've never heard of that, but I'm game. Um, <laughs> oh, so I mean, they're still on the shelves in in libraries, like, a f- and I I think I mean, like, when they go to the library, like, they don't really have computers, so it's sort of dated in that sense. But like, I don't think horse technology has changed that much. So if you just want, like, they're not they're not as dated as they could be coming from 1988. Well, so. <laughs> They actually, when they did those re-editions in like the, I guess the mid 2000s, they did update some stuff because I, like I bought the re-edition ones because they were the easiest ones to find. And I remember reading, oh God, I can't, it's, it's one of like the first six books, but they go to New York City and they wind up, I think they're like riding in Central Park and they see like a runaway horse, like the rider's lost control of his horse. And so Lisa rescues him. And then it turns out that he's a movie star that they're all really into. And his name is Sky Ransom, which is amazing. (laughs) And then he becomes their like movie star friend who they hang out with sometimes, (laughs) you know, like you do. Like you do, of course. But when they're originally talking about like Sky Ransom and, oh, he's filming a movie in New York, maybe we'll see him. 
in the reprint, Max is like, he says something like, oh, we might get to see like a dreamy celebrity that you girls will like, like Nick Lachey. Ooh. <laughs> this was like 2007. And I was sitting there like, there, okay, first of all, there's no way that in like 1989 or whenever this book came out, they were referencing Nick Lachey. And second of all, who wrote this in 2007 and was like, that's who the kids are into? <laughs> and so I actually, I can't find it anymore. There used to be like a massive Saddle Club book series website. Now all, everything on the internet is about the show. But there used to be a website that had like all of this information on the books. And it was updated from Tom Cruise in the late 80s. Oh. Which is also like, I don't think, I don't think 11 year olds were into Tom Cruise then either. And they do say, they're like, no, he's too old. We like Sky Ransom. <laughs> um, but then later in the book, Sky like takes him to a party and they get out of a limo and all the paparazzi are like, oh, who are these girls? And Stevie tells them in the reprint, I'm Misha Barton, which is <laughs> cute because Misha Barton was her cover model a few years ago, but again, doesn't really make any sense for a 12 year old in 2007. But apparently the original celebrity she referenced when she got out of the limo was Princess Diana. Ah. <laughs> um, so yeah, they had to change that one. Yeah, it makes sense. Makes sense. But yeah, in terms of like, they just changed a few celebrity names as far as I can tell. And then there's in the Dude Ranch book, they took out, there's, they befriend a Native American girl. Oh, that sounds great and not racist. Ooh, ooh it's bad. But they... She's always referred to as Indian in the original printing, and they changed all of that to what because they keep seeing her like riding in the distance, and they're like, Oh, the mysterious Indian rider, and then they change it to either mysterious or Native American. It's bad, and like you can't like they, they change the word, but they can't do much about the overall plot and how they're just like constructing this weird creepy story about her and then they eventually meet her and this is their like the dude ranch that's owned by the family of their like competitive riding friend kate and they meet the native american girl and kate's like oh that's christine she's in my class at school like why were you guys being weird about this so they like learn a valuable lesson or whatever but it's it's not good yeah i mean sounds very like late 80s Mm -hmm. i mean honestly sounds like you could I'm sure there's still books like that now. But hopefully we're moving away from it. Um, Fingers crossed. <laughs> ambiguous <laughs> noises regarding the state of diversity in the publishing industry. Uh, okay, I don't know. Uh, anything else we want to say before we move on to our dramatic readings? I think the only other thing for me is, I mean, since we're talking about the... Um, the Dude Ranch book already, or I was, because I love the Dude Ranch book, even though it's <laughs> terrible. Like, the girls, they wind up saving the Dude Ranch from going out of business by being in a rodeo, and it's like, why why couldn't the people who own the Dude Ranch do it? It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. But in terms of, like, heartwarming middle-grade books where animals die horribly, <laughs> <laughs> you guys are like, oh, boy. Um, so the people who own the dude ranch are like okay we're gonna go on a cattle roundup and we're gonna take these 11 year olds with us because that's a great idea and definitely not uh, gonna open us up to a lawsuit in any way shape or form and stevie gets off of her horse to save a calf that's like in a hole or something oh, no. and uh she almost gets bitten by a rattlesnake 
but she is saved by Christine, the Native American girl, by Christine's dog, who's named Tomahawk, of course. This is like wonderful German shepherd. He like jumps in front of the snake to fight it and save Stevie and he gets bitten instead. And Christine comes running up just in time. Like the snake slithers away and Tomahawk like dies in the girl's arms and they both cry about it. It's really sad. And then Christine gets a puppy. Oh, geez. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so these books were like, you, we will kill animals. We will do it. Like there's one dog, there's one horse that dies in childbirth. There's another horse that like, has to be like put out to pasture when it gets too old to be ridden by the kids anymore. Like they're, they're not pussyfooting around this. All right. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, you know, Duarte was like very upset when we first started recording and now he's gotten very quiet. I think now he's afraid he'll be destroyed. (laughs) It's like, I'm learning what you guys will do to animals. (laughs) (laughs) The cats are all okay. I think Madonna's fine. Oh, great. (laughs) Cool. Well, then, thank God the cats are all right. And (laughs) let's move on to our dramatic readings. Uh, Our first one is very early on in the book, and it's really, like, as close as we ever get to a a detailed description of these girls. And and Jess is going to read it for you. There's not any characters to do voices for. So just take it away, Jess. All right. Carol watched the writers in front of her. She and Stevie had been riding together for two years, as long as her father had been stationed at the Marine Corps base at Quantico. Colonel Hansen had bought a house in nearby Willow Creek, Virginia, the first time they had ever lived off a base, and Carol had started riding at Pine Hollow. Until that time, most of her friends had been military brats like herself. Now her best friends, Stevie and Lisa, were riders. The three of them had formed the Saddle Club. The only requirement for membership in it was to be horse-crazy. So far, they hadn't met anybody as horse-crazy as they were, so there were just the three members. Even though Lisa was a year older than 12-year-old Carol and Stevie, she'd just started riding. But Carol could tell that Lisa had a natural feel for horses. She'd known it the first time she watched Lisa ride in the ring at Pine Hollow. When Lisa and her mother had shown up at the stable, Carol was sure Lisa was just another spoiled rich kid, dressed in fancy riding clothes. Then Max had put her on a gentle pinto named Patch to see if she knew anything about horses. Before she'd walked around the ring twice, Veronica D'Angelo, who really was a spoiled rich kid, had let a door slam loudly enough to frighten Lisa's horse. Patch had bolted into a gallop. Carol had been sure Lisa was going to fly off Patch's back and break an arm, or worse. Somehow, though, Lisa had managed to stay on the horse, eventually controlling him. Carol had never seen another rider show such skill the first time out. But no matter how great Lisa's natural talents were, there was plenty she didn't know. That's why this practice at riding outdoors was so important before the three girls went on the overnight ride. Suddenly, Carol was alert. Delilah shied, nearly rearing, as a rabbit scooted across the trail. Carol leaned forward for balance, tightening the reins automatically. As soon as Delilah felt Carol's sure grip, she seemed to relax. The rabbit was safely in the underbrush by the time Delilah was calmed down. Just then, a second rabbit dashed out onto the trail just in front of Pepper and Lisa. To Carol's horror... Pepper practically jumped backwards. Lisa grabbed the front of the saddle for balance, dropping Pepper's reins. Pepper reared a moment later, but without the reins, there was no way Lisa could control him or calm him. The rabbit darted back and forth under the horse's feet, completely terrorized. Pepper reared a second time, and when he landed, he took off without Lisa. She flew into the air and landed on her right side. Don't worry, she's fine, guys. (laughs) 
and then Lisa was destroyed. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) All right. Well, our next dramatic reading happened shortly after Cobalt was destroyed. And for this dramatic reading, Jess will be Stevie. Lisa will be Becca. I mean, well, either way works. (laughs) Becca Becca will be Lisa. Lisa will be played by Becca. I am the walrus. (laughs) Uh, I'll be Carol slash also the narrator who, like most of these books, the narrator doesn't have like a fixed point of view. But in this section, it seems he most closely aligned with Carol. So here we go. Your dad said it was okay for us to come up. Carol sighed deeply. She knew her friends had come to make her feel better. She also knew that they felt badly about Cobalt's accident, and maybe they needed somebody to make them feel better, too. She only wished she could have made Cobalt better. But, of course, she couldn't. Sure, come on in, Carol told the girls. They came in and sat on the bed with her. Stevie handed her a soda. Carol took a sip and nodded thanks. I guess you'd better tell me exactly what happened. I really didn't want to know yesterday, but I think I'm ready now. It was Veronica's fault. It was just exactly what Max had been telling her not to do with the camp out. We were all there. It was a jumping class on the cross-country course. I was watching with Max. Stevie had just gone over the jump on Comanche. (laughs) Veronica came barreling down the hill at a gallop and expected Cobalt to jump a high fence landing on a downhill slope. He had such a big heart, you know, Carol. He just always wanted to please his rider, even when he knew it was wrong. He didn't slow down one bit. He just jumped. It was beautiful in a way. There's no horse in that stable that jumps as smoothly as Cobalt. Jumped, I mean. But he didn't land right. I saw it then, too. It was like he was flying until his front legs landed. There was just too much of him coming too fast. His forelegs hit the ground straight and then the right one buckled, but not at the knee. He began to stumble. Veronica flew off over his head. She landed five feet in front of him. She broke her arm when she landed. Cobalt broke his leg. Everybody could see it was broken. Stevie and Lisa went on, describing the horrible scene that Carol had been reliving in her mind for the past 24 hours. Veronica screaming her head off, Cobalt lying quietly, bearing his pain in silence. Sometimes, when horses broke bones, they could be set, like people's bones, and they could heal and be as good as new. With the the horse's cannon bone, though, it was almost impossible to keep the horse's weight off the brake long enough for it to heal. A million-dollar racehorse might be suspended in a body sling long enough for the bone to knit, but even then, with a broken cannon bone, he'd probably never race again. Although Cobalt was a fine horse with good bloodlines, he was no million-dollar horse, and that kind of treatment was too expensive and not reliable enough. And even if the bone could have healed, he'd never have been as good as new, and he'd have been in pain all his life. If only they could have tried something to save him. No, they did the right thing. Cobalt's life was over. He was born to run with the wind, not limp. Say, we just saw Veronica. We visited her at St. Clair's. She's got a private room and there are nurses running all over the place. Was she hurt that badly? I thought it was just a broken arm. It was, but you know her parents. Carol nodded. They all knew her parents. They were the richest people in town and liked to show it off. You'd think she'd had open heart surgery from all the attention she was demanding. And the flowers! 
It looked like a funeral. It was. (laughs) (laughs) R.I.P. Cobalt. (laughs) Gone but not forgotten. Alright, um, so our last dramatic reading is, uh, we mentioned this earlier, after Carol's had some time, she goes and processes her grief by visiting Cobalt's stall, and we'll start there, and uh, I will be Carol, slash the narrator, again, uh, Jess will be Mean Girl Veronica, and Becca will be Mr. D'Angelo, Veronica's dad, if you're nasty. <laughs> no, thank you. she leaned against the wall of the stall and slid down to sit on the clean straw then for the first time since cobalt had died carol cried she sat there alone in his empty stall her body racked with sorrow tears streamed down her face in silent anguish when all her tears were spent she lay down in the straw and slept exhausted by her grief carol didn't know how long she slept When she awoke, the sun was no longer coming in the window. That meant it had to be the afternoon, but she didn't know what time in the afternoon. For a moment, she wondered what had awakened her, and then she heard the voices. No, Daddy, no! It was Veronica. Carol hated the idea that Veronica might find her in Cobalt's stall. She shifted from the side of the stall, cowering against the front wall where she couldn't be seen by somebody walking by. But she could hear everything. You're being silly, Ronnie. Carol realized it was Mr. D'Angelo. It was a little surprising to hear him call her Ronnie. Veronica certainly wouldn't let anyone else call her that. Daddy, the answer is no, and I mean it. Were Stevie and Lisa wrong? Was Veronica giving up writing too? Was that what she was fighting with her father about? Delilah's a good horse. Isn't she the mare that girl, what's her name, Carol rides? Yes, Daddy. Carol used to ride Delilah. She stopped coming to lessons, though. If Carol was the best rider in your class, then I'm sure Max gave her the best horse in the stable. And, Pet, you'd look so good on her. She's got that beautiful creamy mane and that golden coat. That's not the point, Daddy. Well, if Delilah's not the right horse, I'll have my agent buy you another thoroughbred at the auction next month. We got enough out of the insurance for Cobalt to buy you the best horse at the sale. You want one that looks like Cobalt? Daddy, what a horse looks like doesn't matter. It's how a horse rides that's important, but even more important is how the rider rides. What are you saying, Veronica? It was my fault, Daddy. I caused the accident that broke my arm and that killed Cobalt. Nonsense. You said it was Max's fault. He shouldn't have set up the jump the way he did. I was wrong. It was a tricky jump, all right, but Max had told us how to jump it, and I decided not to pay any attention to him. If I'd had any sense, I would have told him I didn't know how to make that jump. Cobalt would never have refused the jump, but I went ahead anyway, and it cost Cobalt his life. Oh, don't worry about that, Lamb. After all, we got the insurance money, didn't we? Money doesn't have anything to do with it, Daddy. Cobalt's dead, and I don't want to own another horse until I can take care of him. As long as Carol had known Veronica, she'd never heard her admit that she'd made a mistake. In this case, Veronica was absolutely right. She wasn't a very good writer. She didn't deserve a horse like Cobalt. She didn't listen to instructions. Her carelessness had cost Cobalt his life. Dun, dun. So dramatic. Yeah. So Veronica learned a lesson temporarily. For a book. Mm-hmm. And now we'll play some Would You Rather. 
we're going to cross the streams a little bit with some of the other sort of similar series that we have read. And I'll ask, would you rather hang out with girls who only talk about horses or girls who only talk about babysitting? Babysitters. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, I would say both in the abstract and in the specific babysitting. You know, I, I work with teens. Like, babysitting is pretty similar. Like, we could definitely have some stuff in common. I work with college professors. I also have something in <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. See, I'm going to say horses because, like, I used to babysit. I I encounter babies much more frequently than I encounter horses. So, like, I can get my babysitting fill on my own. Yeah. But I'd like to hear about what the horses are up to. All right. <laughs> <laughs> the horse drums. <laughs> well, going on on horse Twitter. <laughs> You're far more likely to have to deal with a horse that's had an accident and had to be destroyed than a child who's had an accident and had to be destroyed. Are you ready for emotional turmoil? Uh, I don't remember that happening to Jamie Newton. (laughs) (laughs) And he had a lot of accidents. He did. (laughs) That was my Babysitter's Club fan fiction. (laughs) Dark fic for Babysitter's Club. Rated M for major character death. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, This this has gotten away from me. Would you rather, if it ever was with me, uh, would you rather be friends with Veronica D'Angelo or Jessica Wakefield from Sweet Valley High? Basically, pick your mean girl. I mean, Veronica did give them those hard candies, which, I mean, isn't much, but at least <laughs> I don't think Jessica ever gave anybody anything in their life oh. except trouble. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't associate with other Jessicas. Mm, great point. <laughs> so uh, it would have to be Veronica, but also Veronica is richer and dumber. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I could get more from her, whereas, like, people who hang out with Jessica die and, like, get pregnant and it's just... <sighs> Can I say Jessica's probably killed a person, or is Veronica's <laughs> killed a horse? Right. That's true. And like, even you could hang out with Jessica by a trick. Like, you could want to be hanging out with Elizabeth and be like, "Oh no, it's Jessica." But I'm pretty sure there's only one Veronica. <laughs> oh, so. she would assure you that she is one of the kind. I guess you know the only thing is if if we're locking them in at their ages, like it'd be kind of weird. Either way, it's weird. It's weirder to be yeah. friends with a 12-year-old, but if we can age adjust, definitely Veronica. Uh, if, you know, you know, I'll just say Veronica. Yeah. I mean, Veronica aged up, like, into our age group. Like, you know at least she's going to be providing lots of free liquor. Oh, yeah. hell yeah. You drink at her house for sure. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You know, and she did visit the library, which I don't think Jessica ever did. Probably true. All right. Last up, would you rather eat ice cream at TD's, which is the ice cream shop they go to in Saddle Club, or eat steaks and cakes at Steaks and Cakes, the fictional restaurant from Christian Mingle the movie that only serves steaks and cakes? What? <laughs> Yo. And we mean plates, plates of steak, like a, a platter with 30 steaks on it, and then there's just five whole cakes on the table. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's an image to behold. Yes. Can I obtain this movie? Uh, it was on streaming Netflix. on Netflix. Yeah, we did a oh, bonus excited. episode. Also, you can hear all 
Not all about it. Like, we got drunk and immediately forgot the pod. We can hear a lot about it. <laughs> you can hear some about it. You can hear us drunk on a Tuesday around the time of the election trying to live out oh. our misery oh. through sticks and cakes. Christian oh. mingling. Um, also, after, because we also talked about steaks and cakes in our Sweet Valley High episode, and uh, via Twitter, uh, friend of the show, I, or a, I don't even know how to pronounce I's name, I only know them from Twitter, they asked uh, if if steaks and cakes had ice cream cakes. And I gotta mm. say, no, they do not. I don't think they have a freezer at steaks and cakes. Probably not. I don't think you should leave an ice cream out cake back. out on the table while you eat a steak. I think yeah. it's a bad plan. Yeah, and as, you know, I'm lactose intolerant, so I can't eat the ice cream at TD, so I'm just going to take a whole plate of steaks and a whole cake, please. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I'm i not lactose intolerant. I would hella love some ice cream right now. Um, but I got to stay loyal to our sponsor of Steaks and Cakes and just go get my cake on. <laughs> Bring yeah, home I some got, steak for Duarte. I, I got to go with Steaks and Cakes, too, because, first of all, TD is the short for Tasty Delight, so it's not that exciting of an ice cream place. Um, <laughs> and... Which, like, I didn't know what a tasty delight was when I was a kid. So I was like, I was always like, this sounds so cool, going to TDs. And then when I reread the books as an adult, I was like, oh, it wasn't cool. Nothing about these books was cool. <laughs> but also, uh, as someone who has been to a dude ranch, uh, mm-hmm. you you work up an appetite and you're going to need some protein after riding around on a horse all day. So, yeah, steaks and cakes for sure. Hell Yeah. All right, let's move on to Reader's Advisory, where we'll suggest uh, other books to read instead of or in addition to Saddle Club. So I would suggest, um, as I said, I wasn't specifically a horse girl, but I did like animals. So around the same time that I was rereading The Saddle Club alone in my room, I was also rereading James Harriet's books alone in my room. Um, so if you're not familiar with him, he was a farm vet in Yorkshire in the 1930s and, uh, he wrote about his experiences. They're like semi-fictionalized. Um, the, his most famous book is called All Creatures Great and Small. And there was also a long running BBC TV show with that name. Um, but if you're into books that have a lot of educational information about various animals and also occasionally heartwarming anecdotes, then his books are better than the Saddle Club for that. I would also recommend uh, M.T. Anderson's Thrilling Tales series, which is also called Pals in Peril. They're they're possibly his least well-known books, and they're nothing like his YA, which are a lot darker. Is that, is Whales and Stilts the first one of those? Okay, because I read Whales and Stilts, but for a long time I didn't realize it was a series. Yeah, so the first one is Whales on Stilts, um, and the second one is (laughs) The Clue of the Linoleum Lederhosen. Oh my god. (laughs) And the names get increasingly ridiculous, but they're basically about these three best friends, one of whom is Jasper Dash, boy technonaut, Mm -hmm. who was the star of a series of, like, pulp sci-fi adventure books in, like, the 30s and 40s. One of whom... Like, that's his character backstory. He's not yeah, yeah, he, not from a... Like, within the world of these books, he was previously in other books that exactly. are not real books. Right, yes. right. Like, that's his, his personality, is that he was the star of these books, but these things actually happened to him. He is really a boy technonaut. And then... Um, Katie, it's like Katie Mulligan or something, I don't remember her last name, um, who 
was the star of a different series of books um, that are sort of like a cross between Buffy and Goosebumps. So she's like basically a monster hunter in her town. She's always like fighting werewolves and things. Um, and then the third main character, who's sort of the central figure, is a girl named Lily, who is not the star of any books except these, and feels very overshadowed by her two friends. And so in the second book, The Clue of the Linoleum Lederhosen, they go to this resort where they run into all these other characters who are from these sort of ghost-written series. Like there's a parody of the Bobsy twins and there's a parody of the Hardy Boys who are like just complete idiots, which is hilarious because so are the Hardy Boys. And one of the kids that they meet is like, oh, like I don't remember his name, but he's like, I was in a series of horse books. And they're like, oh, no, it's a horse kid. Um, <laughs> But it's it's like a really, really silly concept. But Anderson does all these really interesting things with the idea of like these series books and what they mean to people and how, you know, kids keep reading them even after they become dated. And it, it eventually is revealed that all of these kids who are in these books are sort of conditionally immortal as long as their books keep being read which on the one hand means that they're immortal, but on the other hand means that they're not going to grow up, and Lily is. And it, it winds up being this really heartbreaking, bittersweet commentary on stories and immortality and aging and childhood, but it's also a hilarious parody of committee-written books. It's really hard to describe, but I highly recommend it. Yeah, I, I, I've i only read the first one, but it was really great. I should dip back in and finish them. M.D. Anderson is great all around, but... Yes. I think you're right. These are his, like, lesser-known works, but check them out. I mentioned previously The War That Saved My Life by Kimberly Brubaker Bradley, who has a connection to Saddle Club. That book, uh, it's not... You know, I would say the horses are kind of the B-plot of it, and the A-plot is World War Two. But if you are into horses, there's definitely enough good horse stuff to get into. And plus, it's very beautifully written about, uh, you know, a girl with a disability and parental abuse and the war. And and also, it's it still isn't totally crushingly depressing like that made it sound. Mm -hmm. um, another thing that I'm going to recommend because I just heard about it is I was at the doctor and the doctor was like making small talk. And he's like, oh, you're a librarian? Like what should my kids read? And I was like, I don't, like, man, how old are your kids? Like, what are you, what are we working with? And he was like, I don't know. They really like horse diaries. And I was like, I had not heard of horse diaries before. And I thought he was just like, kind of like, Oh, I don't know. Like saddle club horse stories, like whatever, like horse <laughs> stories is like what he came up with to describe like what he could kind of vaguely remember about what his kids were into. But apologies to my doctor. That is a real series uh, that I read about it and then I got a little obsessed with the concept of it because they're like, it's kind of like American Girl doll books or like Dear America, but from horses from different like countries and different eras. And it's a diary from their point of view. So there's like, there's like a horse that's in the Civil War and there's like a horse that goes in the Oregon Trail and they write diaries. And it, wow. It's like Black Beauty. Yes. And I was also going to recommend Black Beauty, which I weirdly read. Like, I was not into horses in general, but I did really like Black Beauty as a kid. And I'm not, I think maybe it was the first book I ever read that was from an animal's point of view. And that kind of tickled me. That is a depressing book. 
Yeah, it is. A lot of horses destroyed in Black Beauty. <laughs> a lot. I couldn't come up with any recommendations, and that's why I don't regularly appear on a book podcast. <laughs> we're we're just happy to have you here, Comet. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, Comet is the name of Supergirl's horse. What? So, Supergirl has a like a real horse, or like a super horse. Um. Uh, b- both but also he's a centaur and he's her boyfriend what okay this is <laughs> real really fast hang on i have a cold and i'm taking a lot of medicine right now <laughs> oh man i love Back. comics uh... so, right so supergirl like this is back in the early 60s starts having dreams about getting a new horse friend and she's very excited because she wants a horse and then she meets this horse at a dude ranch. Lots of things happen at dude ranches. Cannot recommend highly enough. Um, and the horse is like, hello, I'm a telepathic horse. And my name is Comet. And I was sending you those dreams. And I would like to be your horse. And also, I know that you're Supergirl. And she was, she's like, I would love to have a horse. And her parents, who live in the suburbs, her adopted parents, of course, uh, are like, yes, that would be fine. We would also love to have a horse at our house in the suburbs. We're not going to explain where where this horse is going to go but then it turns out so comet tells her part of his backstory which is that he is a centaur from ancient greece and he saved the sorceress circe from an assassination attempt by a wizard and so in gratitude she was like oh i'll grant you a boon and he said i'd like to be a human man because it's kind of implied he has a thing for her so she tries to turn him into a man but the wizard switches the vials, and so she turns him into a horse instead, and it's very Emperor's New Groove. Ah. Um, and Cersei's like, oh, I'm so sorry, I turned you into a horse, and I can't undo it, so you're a horse forever, but to make it up for you, to you I'm going to give you superpowers, so you can fly, and you're really strong and telepathic. And Comet is like, well, I guess that's better than just being a regular horse. But then the- <laughs> The wizard gets pissed about that, too, and so he banishes him to a comet, so Comet is on a comet. But then when, like, you know, thousands of years later, when Supergirl crash lands on Earth, her spaceship passes close enough to Comet's comet to free him. And so he comes to Earth and befriends her and becomes her horse and becomes Super Horse and, of course, a banner member of the Legion of Super Pets because... What else would he do? But what he doesn't tell her is that whenever a comet passes through our sky, he turns back in or he turns into a human man temporarily until the comet is gone. And he calls himself Bronco Bill and he's a rodeo cowboy and he dates her and she has no idea who he is or that he's her horse. And her parents seem to be totally fine with their 16 year old daughter dating this adult cowboy that they don't know. Um, And he's like, maybe someday I'll tell her, but maybe not. And that is their romance for some years. And then in the 90s, he was reimagined as lesbian stand-up comedian who merged with a jockey, I think, who was given, like, horse legs as part of a weird scientific experiment, and now they have ice powers and can magically make people fall in love with them, and they're an angel. All right, well, people who like Saddle Club should definitely read that. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, we'll have links to that stuff and maybe some other <laughs> horse books that I scrape together at uh, worstbestsellers.com. And now we will move on to our candy pairing where we suggest... How, how can we move on after that? <laughs> we just have to. <laughs> we just... <laughs> Comet will always be in our hearts. Comet will not. And now it's time for our Comet pairing. <laughs> Comet pairing? Yes, I said that on purpose. Okay. <laughs> uh, mine is a stale granola bar that was left in my bag after an overnight trip. You know, this is fine. It, it sustained me as a granola bar would, but I did not enjoy it as I would have had I actually eaten the granola bar during the trip, a.k.a. read this book when I was eight years old. <laughs> mine is a really disgusting ice cream sundae at TDs because they don't do it in this book, but that's where they have all their saddle club meetings. And Stevie always orders a really gross combination like bubblegum ice cream with pineapple sauce or something mm. so that no one else will try her ice cream, even though sharing ice cream isn't really a thing that happens anyway. And so she, like, there's a running gag that she gets something super gross. So I would have to do that in honor of her, and then I would regret it. <laughs> Legit. Uh, yep. Uh, mine is uh, Nico wafers because oh. horse puns. <laughs> hey, oh. I'm doing finger guns right now, but it's podcast, <laughs> you can't see. And because, you know, they're bland and pretty terrible, but if it's what you're into, I'm sure you'd happily eat a million of them. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and now we will move on to the rock, paper, snicked, where Becca, in lieu of Kate, will say who Dwayne the Rock Johnson would be if he were in this book. And I'll say who Wolverine would be if he were in this book. And Jess will choose which most enhances the book. Or she could choose paper, which is leave the book as is. If the rock was in this book, he would be Max the First. Like, it would literally be The Rock. And then the girls would have to solve the mystery of how The Rock has accomplished this amazing feat of time travel or possibly immortality, which would be way more interesting than the actual mystery of Max the First as it happened in the book. Well, if Wolverine were in this book, he'd be just, like, hanging out in the woods or in a cave in the woods when they're on their mountain trail overnight. And when he heard Veronica scream about the spider scaring away the deer... He would also hear and be super annoyed and come on out of his cave to yell at her about, like, respecting nature and not being an idiot, especially so early in the morning. She wouldn't really take it to heart or learn a lesson from it, but when her parents hear about the weird guy in the woods, they withdraw her from writing lessons and sign her up for figure skating instead. And Cobalt lives. Okay, so th those are both very good. I feel like one of those, I feel like rock really adds to the drama because you still have the melodrama of cobalt being destroyed mm -hmm. but then you also have time travel instead of educational library research um i mean you would still have to do the educational library research to find out about time travel there'd just be like more quantum physics probably right and i, I would be more <laughs> interested in reading about girls researching time travel than reading about girls researching a boring stable owner <laughs> Fair. Whereas I feel like with Snick, you are removing a lot of the drama because there's still the library research and now there's not even a dead horse to get you through. Yeah. <laughs> so 
<laughs> so I I gotta go with rock because I I, nice. I like the additional drama. Yes. I'm All sorry, right. Wolverine. Mark that down. It's fine. He's would he scare the horses though? Wolverine? Yeah. Or would they like him? I feel like they would like him. I feel like he usually gets along with animals. Right. It's just people he fucking hates. Mm, Hashtag okay. relatable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh that said well played, Becca. And I agree, I would be hella into reading a book about <laughs> tween girls researching the rocks time travel. <laughs> I just imagine they're going through like old papers on like microfilm, and there's a picture of the rock, but in like old timey clothes. Like yeah. it's like it's that. Like all this... uh, were you gonna say Nicolas Cage in the Civil War? I was, I was gonna say Keanu Reeves, but <laughs> both, both immortal. That too. Okay, well, we'll link to all of that because that's important. But <laughs> um... <laughs> also, they'd probably have to make a, a serial killer murder mystery board. Oh hell yes, they would. <laughs> Yeah, Hell yeah, they would. In, in Cobalt's empty stable. Oh, no God. Oh, God. <laughs> it's where no one goes, so that's where they can hide. Oh, I love this. We need to rewrite this immediately. Uh, Dear Bonnie Bryant. Please revise this with even like more straightforward cover models and also just add this chapter. <laughs> Aces. All right. Um, what would you guys say the moral of the story is? Okay, so this is a real moral, sorry, but working with animals is a serious responsibility, and if you don't treat it as such, they could die, and it'll be your fault, and everyone will be sad, so sorry, eight-year-old girls who love ponies, but step up your game. That's legit. My moral (laughs) is, eat the rich. (laughs) My moral is, you can kill a horse in book two of your Horse Girl series, and Horse Girls are fine with it they'll still read a hundred plus books in this horse killing series true i just think it's a bold move to make book two i agree book like 14 yeah okay let's like let's stir this up a bit but book two (laughs) that's wild horse girls are hardcore i guess Speaking of hardcore, let's now move to Duarte's corner, (laughs) where my cat Duarte will offer his opinions about the book. Yeah, Duarte, I agree. I think there could have been way more information about the stable cats and, you know, all of... We heard some of their names. I would love to know all the cats' names. would love to know all of their little adventures. But, you know, if they had spent more time on the cats, they might have had to be destroyed. <laughs> we don't want that. <laughs> I have nothing. <laughs> all right, well. <laughs> uh, and I, I know Dorte, like, early on in the show, he really wanted to get to that because he... He really did feel slighted by how little the, the cats were mentioned. <laughs> uh, you know, representation is important f- for cats <laughs> and for carols. We we do know what color all the cats are. Okay. That's very clear. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so true. Every animal, we know exactly what it looks like. We have no idea who these and what their personalities are. We know who's like yeah. a good horse and a calm horse and who's an ornery horse, but we don't know about these girls. Hilarious comic relief cat. It's in there. Yeah. <laughs> Carol gets the most spirited cat because he's like cobalt in cat form. R.I.P. Cobalt. 
<laughs> R.I.P. All right. Well, thank you for that, Duarte. And now we're going to check in with Kate's Comet Corner, where we visit Kate, who, as previously mentioned, is waiting outside the theater for Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812. Comet, Kate. Hey, guys. I only have a minute to check in. The Tonys just happened, and I am too angry to talk for long. Unable to continue to live in a world where Dave Malloy does not have a Tony Award, I am starting a revolution against traditional Broadway nonsense. And by traditional Broadway nonsense, I mostly mean Pasek and Paul, who are my enemies now. Totally unrelated to that. Do you guys know where to get some horses that would be good for storming a big, busy building? Like, for example, a theater? And do you know of anyone who's good at, like, training horses and riding horses and being in the same room as horses without having an asthma attack? Asking for a friend? Let me know. I'll be sowing the seeds of revolution on 45th Street. Yeah, the comment, man. <laughs> Just comments all the way down. Uh... But that sounds good, and we'll, you know, I know you'll be back pretty soon, Kate, and we'll get some more detail then, I guess. Do any other humans have any closing thoughts about Saddle Club or horse destruction, (laughs) what have you? I mean, I have a lot of thoughts on horse destruction, but how much time do you have? (laughs) A couple minutes. (laughs) I I don't, actually. It It is sad. I don't know why, as a child, I was, like, so into how many animals died in this series it was a weird morbid thing that i had going on i mean i guess it's you know like like cancer kid books and that kind of, like sometimes you just want that emotional release yeah just want to go lock yourself in an empty horse stall and cry till you pass out <laughs> <laughs> i feel like that now a lot so <laughs> that's what i'm doing after we finish recording <laughs> <laughs> Taking your NACO wafers and locking yourself away. <laughs> um, my closing thought is that uh, the day this comes out tomorrow, June twentieth, we will be doing a live worst bestsellers event at the Freepoint Hotel in Cambridge, Massachusetts. It's at seven o'clock. It's free to attend. I've been told there will be some sorts of free snacks put out by the hotel. So come for the snacks. Stay for the podcast. Or whatever. It'll be really fun. Probably. Definitely. I'm not I'm not good at this. <laughs> this is why we don't got that Squarespace money. <laughs> uh, but there'll be details about that on our website. Or if you're listening to this anytime after June 20th, you gotta build a time machine and then you can come. With the rock. Yes. Bring the rock. Come back to June 20th, 2017. Check out our live show. Uh, If you are not in the Boston area or if you don't have a time machine, you can still visit our website, worstbestsellers.com. You can follow us on Twitter, where we're Worst Bestseller with no S because the S had to be destroyed. (laughs) You can also like us on Facebook, where we're spelled normally. You can also uh, join our Goodreads group. You can rate and review us on Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Play. If you haven't already done that, that would be super great, uh, super comedy of you. 
Um, the last thing that you can do is uh, support our Patreon, where you can give a small monthly donation and, you know, just, just help us out. Just help us out. Uh, I would say that one perk of being a Patreon sponsor is that you can get a shout-out on the podcast, but as of right now, we have awarded all the shout-outs, so... This, this space reason. could be you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You'd be front and center. No competition. Mm-hmm. Actually, if you're listening to this and you're like, wait, I think I was supposed to get a shout out, uh, reply to your email and let us know how to shout you out. This is my shout out to the concept of shout outs. <laughs> we would love to give you <laughs> some. Shout out. Please let us know what name you'd like us to use. I know there are actually a few of those still out. Um, you can follow me personally on Twitter at Renata Snacks. You can follow me on Twitter at Ginthusiastic. And I'm on Twitter at Jess underscore Plumber. Two M's, no B. Um, you can also read Jess's writings various places on the internet. Yep, primarily bookriot.com. Okay, right. I was like, panels isn't there anymore. It's uh. gone. But it's, it lives on as bookriot.com slash comics. Cool. But sometimes I read books with no pictures in them, but as we <laughs> like, can see, then I don't know what anybody looks like. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, see, these would be great as graphic novels. Very clear. Um, yeah, so you should definitely uh, follow Jessica, check out her stuff, and we at Worst Best Sellers will continue Flashback Summer in two weeks. We're going to dip into the American Girls series with two mm-hmm. of them girls. We're going to read Meet Addie and Molly Saves the Day. Please feel free to tweet at us and tell us which doll you had if you are so hashtag blessed to have one. Mm-hmm. I had Kirsten. Oh, so lucky. I had none. Same. <laughs> uh, but we'll we'll dive deep into that. Trust. Hell yeah. Um, in two weeks. Uh, so for now, I'm just gonna say thank you so much to Jess for joining us. Thanks to Becca for filling in for comment and <laughs> and for editing this both. <laughs> And thanks, everyone, for listening. Bye. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye. Bye.